Hello and welcome to Fully Booked, the podcast from the English department at Brentwood Ursuline. My name is Mrs Bird and today we'll be exploring the presentations of gender in Macbeth. Before we start, it's really important to remember to include relevant contextual details in your analysis of the play. But you must avoid making sweeping generalisations when commenting on context. For example, you can't say things like, all women were weak or all men were aggressive. They simply aren't true. Prior to King James I's rule, Queen Elizabeth I was on the throne and it'd be wrong to insinuate that she was weak. So when you're writing essays, try to integrate relevant and accurate contextual comments. You can, of course, refer to gender stereotypes of the time. But as with stereotypes today, don't assume that everyone adheres to those stereotypes. Firstly, let's consider the presentation of masculinity in Macbeth. It is clear from the outset of the play that masculinity, what it is to be a man, is associated with both violence and honour. The play begins with the witches discussing the hurly-burly of the battle that is occurring off stage. And in the next scene, when Macbeth is described by the wounded captain, the brutality of his soldiers' instincts is parallel with his worthiness in the eyes of his king. Having unseamed the traitor MacDonald from the knave to the chaps, Duncan praises him, calling him brave, noble and valiant. Violence in the name of righteousness is therefore justified and seen as a positive trait. Macbeth appears to be a heroic figure, with his ruthlessness in battle leading him to be awarded the title of Thane of Cawdor by King Duncan. However, as the play progresses, it is clear that Macbeth is a man in conflict with himself. It is this same masculine power that confirms Macbeth's worth on the battlefield that will also lead him to murdering King Duncan and becoming a tyrannical ruler. Macbeth seems driven to constantly reassert and confirm his masculinity, driving him to commit greater and greater acts of violence as the play progresses. Not satisfied that his reign is secure, Macbeth orders the murders of Banquo and his son Fleance in Act 3, and Lady Macduff, her children and household, in Act 4. In the scene between Macduff and Malcolm in Act 4, Macduff states that every day new widows howl, new orphans cry, as Macbeth's bloody reign continues. It appears that Macbeth's illegitimate reign is one dominated by violence and fear. One possible source of Macbeth's insecurity may be his wife, Lady Macbeth. Throughout the play, Lady Macbeth attacks what she perceives to be weakness in her husband's character. In her first appearance in Act One, Lady Macbeth declares that her husband is too full of the milk of human kindness to commit murder. The image of milk is associated with gentle, nurturing, maternal femininity and appears at odds with the captain's previous description of Macbeth as a soldier. There are several instances throughout the play where Lady Macbeth questions Macbeth's masculinity. In Act 2, for example, following the murder of Duncan, Lady Macbeth seizes the daggers from her husband, berating him for his ineptitude and cowardice. Consider the masculine imagery of the daggers here. By taking them from him, Lady Macbeth emasculates him. These attacks upon Macbeth's masculinity continue in the banquet scene in Act 3, as Macbeth's mental state appears fragile when faced with the ghost of Banquo. 
noticed that Lady Macbeth gained strength when her husband, or other men, appear to be weak. Shakespeare presents contrasting aspects of masculinity through a character's expression of emotions. Macbeth is drawn into increasingly violent acts through greed, jealousy and paranoia. These ultimately lead him to being somewhat immune to other more humanising emotions, such as fear or grief. When it is announced that Lady Macbeth has died, his reaction is ambiguous. One reading suggests that there is no time to grieve her passing, as he has a battle to prepare for. His soliloquy does not dwell on his wife's death, but on his own mortality. This is a stark contrast to the way in which Macduff receives the news of his wife and children's murders. Once the Thane of Ross reveals their fate, Macduff goes into a state of shock, asking and repeating questions in disbelief. Malcolm tells him to dispute it like a man and bear this awful news with strength. Macduff says that he will, but that he must also feel it as a man and experience the grief at their loss. This juxtaposes sharply with Macbeth's reaction to the death of his own wife. It is the murder of his family that turns Macduff into the figure of a revenger. The violence with which he kills Macbeth in one-on-one -on -one combat is therefore seen as entirely justified and noble, as it is seen as rectifying a great evil and reinstating a rightful king in Scotland. Now let us take a look at the presentation of femininity in the play. In a play dominated by patriarchy, both in terms of God and kings, Shakespeare presents his audience with two juxtaposing interpretations of femininity, Lady Macduff and Lady Macbeth. Lady Macduff is only in one scene, yet she plays a significant role in the depiction of femininity in the play. Through this character, Shakespeare presents a maternal woman within a domestic setting, comforting and being comforted by her son during her husband's absence. It is a tender scene. Lady Macduff is critical of her husband's decisions, suggesting that he does not love them for leaving them unguarded in Scotland. Somewhat ironically, her criticisms that Macduff lacks the natural touch or human kindness mirrors those of Lady Macbeth, who, as we noted earlier, considers her husband too full of human kindness. For Lady Macduff, loving kindness is an important and positive feature in a man. As her power is limited by her gender, she does not seek to flee with her family and is unable to defend herself from Macbeth's henchmen. Her only defence is that she has done no harm. Shakespeare effectively uses the character of Lady Macduff to highlight the plight of the vulnerable under tyrannical rule. Lady Macbeth is a fascinating and challenging character. Unlike Lady Macduff, she has no surviving children, although she reveals that she has breastfed a child of her own. She has therefore not succeeded in fulfilling her societal role as a mother, and in contrast to Lady Macduff's protectiveness, she expresses her willingness to kill her own child in order to achieve greatness. When Lady Macbeth first comes on stage in Act One, 
She is reading a letter from her husband, detailing his encounter with the witches on the heath. The first words Shakespeare has her speak are not her own, and it is not until Lady Macbeth begins her soliloquies that we realise just how transgressive she is. She, too, is ambitious and willing to go to any lengths to fulfil the witch's prophecies. By invoking the spirits and calling upon them to unsex her, Lady Macbeth is challenging the great chain of being, the order of the universe created by God. Please note that Lady Macbeth is not asking to be made into a man. She is asking to be unsexed, to become something unnatural and outside of God's will and control. She desires to have her feminine weaknesses taken from her. For example, she wants her breast milk, notice the recurring image of milk here, to be changed into gall or bitter bile. She despises the frailty ascribed to her gender and by seeking to change herself would have been seen as evil and dangerous by the Jacobean audience. This notion of gender stereotype disruption is further seen in her manipulative interactions with her husband. The spirits that she pours in his ear to infect her husband with the illness of her evil could be seen as a parallel to Eve's temptation of Adam to taste the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. As we know, this act of rebellion against God led to both Adam and Eve being cast out of paradise and be punished with mortality. Consider how this links to the structure of Shakespeare's tragedy. It is important that you pay attention to the changing levels of influence that Lady Macbeth has over her husband. Consider why Shakespeare chose to have Macbeth act without his wife in the murders of Banquo and Macduff's family. Consider also why Shakespeare removed Lady Macbeth from the action of Act 4 and how she was presented in Act 5 compared to Act 1. Why was she unable to stab King Duncan herself after claiming that her keen knife would do the deed? Has she truly become the unsexed monster she desired to be? Or is she still beholden to her gender identity? The witches offer another problematical presentation of gender in the play. They are identified in the text as sisters and as women, and yet Banquo observes that they have beards. Their otherness and ambiguity highlight their dangerous presence in the play as they exist outside of the great chain of being. They are associated with the devil and have supernatural powers that they use to influence the world of men and lead them into temptation. There are some who consider Lady Macbeth to be a fourth witch, as she too consorts with evil spirits and seeks to manipulate others and bend them to her will. Consider this interpretation when you explore the theme of the supernatural in the play. Here are some next steps for your independent study. Create mind maps on both masculinity and femininity in the play. Identify key quotes for each and annotate them thoroughly. Identifying language devices, dramatic devices and linking in any relevant contextual details. Take a look at the British Library website. If you enter Macbeth into the search bar at the top of the homepage, you'll find lots of interesting articles on the play 
its characters, themes and context. As always, once you have completed your own independent study, please ask your teacher to clarify anything you do not understand. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate the support you've already shown to such a new podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform. Leave us a preferably five-star review as this helps others find the podcast. And join us again for another episode of Fully Booked. Goodbye for now.